Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're looking at a heavy one, but it's a really, really good one. It's called The Father, from writer-director Florian Zeller, based on his play of the same name and starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. Uh, Anthony Hopkins recently nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for this performance, and absolutely... Uh, totally deserved because this is a powerhouse performance. The movie itself is a heartbreaking look at the effects of dementia, and the movie is kind of structured in a very puzzle box kind of way and is a very unique take on the subject matter that kind of steers it away from the usual just, you know, sad mental illness type of movie and does something really interesting and different with that kind of a concept. So joining me to talk about it is Robert Yanis Jr. from The Crooked Table. It's been a while since he's been here on the show and I'm glad to have him back with us. So that is coming up here in a second. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. We're, of course, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, a whole bunch of other apps, every app, basically. So wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Or as Apple, I guess, wants us to say, following us? I, I don't know. I can't keep up with that kind of stuff. All I know is... Listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, and I'll be happy. You could also share the show if you enjoy what we're doing. That really helps get us in front of more people, so we really appreciate it when you share the show. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser to let us know how we are doing and how you're enjoying what we're doing. You can also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod and, uh, you know, get in touch on there as well. So I'd say that about does it for the beginning the show spiel. Let's start talking about The Father. All right, so back with us today. It's been a while since he's been on the show, but it's Robert Yanis Jr. from The Crooked Table. Robert, how's it going? It's going well. And actually, it's funny being back because the last movie I talked about on your show was The Invisible Man, which is the last movie I've still seen in theaters as of uh, as of this recording. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am slowly but surely planning my return back. I, I, I got to see a few movies since then, but um, but it's 
been since March though of last year. So right. I am uh, I'm going a little crazy over here, uh, as we all are. But I cannot wait to return to the theater. But at least we've got a lot of movies to watch at home to keep us busy, right? So. For sure. For sure. <laughs> So uh, The Father, this will be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, it is a, a very unique movie. Um, I, I, I've been asking my guests lately, like, is this something that um, was like big on your radar before it came out? Uh, this is something I had heard about before, just, you know, from film Twitter and things like that. So it was something I was familiar with, but I was, mm. I was kind of cautioned by, uh, you know, an another film critic and friend. Uh, not to read anything about it going in, just to yeah. go into it blind. So I, I knew the two leads. I think I'd even seen the trailer, which really kind of teases around things, but it doesn't reveal the full extent of what's actually going on. Uh, right. And I, I think that was that really a, affected my, my perspective watching the movie uh, in that yeah. I, I was even more so uh, kind of coming to it fresh from the perspective of, uh, you know, the characters to that situation and which, uh, all that, which we'll get into. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I also uh, went into it fairly blind. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely a movie that, you know, you want it to take you away because that's like the maximum impact for uh, for for just how heartbreaking and, and how crazy uh the way this movie unfolds but uh we'll, we'll get into a whole bunch about the father along the way why don't we start jumping into some puzzle pieces uh what do you got for your first piece so my first one it really so much of this movie focuses on the, kind of the mission statement is putting you in the mindset of the anthony hopkins character he's mm -hmm. you know obviously as we'll, as we'll get into spoilers and everything for the father but uh, he's dealing with dementia, so that's there's a component of memory loss there. And mm -hmm. the mission statement of the film, and I just I, before we started this uh, this recording, I was watching some interviews with the filmmaker, and it basically confirmed what what I was getting from it, which is that the movie is specifically designed and structured to put you in his perspective, to put you in his mindset, so you, like the character Anthony, are constantly disoriented you're constantly confused like you're just as lost as he is and yeah. that structure and that intentionality reminded me so much of memento the christopher sure. nolan movie from uh i guess now it's a couple decades ago where in that film leonard shelby has short-term memory loss so you know obviously the scenes run in reverse so you're constantly questioning wait where am i what's happening now and this had kind of a similar sensation uh for me at least watching it the first time yeah, that, that's a great piece to to kick it off with. I, I'll say like two things in response to that. Uh, first of all, the word disorienting is going to run through a lot of my puzzle pieces yeah, here because sure. uh, that is definitely the uh, the the main feeling of this film. Uh, but then also just speaking specifically to Christopher Nolan and Memento as a puzzle piece, uh, I I feel like in a world, uh, an alternate timeline where the Dark Knight and all that didn't happen, that whole trilogy, and Christopher Nolan is still making fairly small films, I could see him making something like this, a more personal, uh, you know, puzzle of a movie, um, w w where things are kind of showy still, but on a smaller scale, and and I I hope to see that Christopher Nolan again one day. Yeah, he's gotten kind of lost in the world of Two hundred million dollar blockbusters yeah. the last like decade or and decade and a half at this point, but yeah, I agree with you there. So I'll go with another puzzle piece here, and I think this is a movie that probably comes up a lot 
on this show, especially uh, in combination with Memento, actually. And that is Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Nice. Which, I, I mean, as a movie, when it comes to showing just the, the intricacies of the human mind and what it's capable of and just how uh, confusing things can get once we start to mess with that, uh, these movies are really, there's nothing better when it comes to like showcasing just how weird that can get and mm. and also from a filmmaking point of view how creative the filmmakers can get in conveying that um there are so many like visual tricks within the father that are that are being used whether it's um in changing little bits and pieces of the house that most of the film is taking place uh in to characters being played by different actors or with different stylings um there, there's just a lot of things that really just add to that uh, i said the word disorienting is going to come up a lot but to that disorienting feel of like kind of putting you in those shoes of the anthony hopkins character and uh you know it's scary and of course eternal sunshine it's more of a sci-fi take on the idea and also a romance take on the idea so we're, we're dealing in different genres but still with uh a similar goal of of what the filmmaker is trying to convey yeah yeah absolutely and and that's the thing that i think makes this movie feel so distinctive is that at its heart it's it's kind of you know a, a domestic family drama and like you were saying you used the word heartbreaking earlier but it plays out like a thriller almost like a, a almost like a horror movie at points because yeah if you're like like us and you're coming to this movie not knowing much about it, you're just like, oh, it's Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, it's up for awards. Sure, let's check that out. It's a drama of right. some kind. You know, I, you're coming into something that's not exactly what that description would in, would indicate. And I think my second puzzle piece, if I can jump into that, it's sure. kind of a perfect segue. I kind of got, and this is a wildly different movie, but I kind of got early on, I kind of got mother vibes from this, the Darren Aronofsky. Okay. Uh, film mother because it, it, it's as again very focused on a single location very focused on an in, uh, you know a close family relation in, in there it's a husband and wife in here it's a father and daughter and there's sort of a certain element of paranoia and unraveling of of uh, kind of the world around the central character obviously that movie goes to way different places and, <laughs> sure <laughs> and uh, you know, is more of an allegory, whereas this is just kind of, <clears throat> you know, trying to recreate a certain mental state. Uh, but that that was a, and it's also the title connection to mother and then the father. So that, sure. that kind of drew that up in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I I love bringing Mother into any conversation on this show, so I'm glad you brought it into it. But uh, I would say also, and, and this isn't so much a, uh, you know, from the inspiration point of view of piecing it together, but from the uh, reminds me of point of view of this show, mm -hmm. I, I would say that this movie, as it's unfolding and as uh, things are just getting more and more confusing for our main character. Uh, I definitely had that feeling of like mouth open, like, oh my God, this is just, this yeah. is awful, you know? And, and like the, just really, really feeling it so, so hard. And that is definitely, I mean, there's kind of no movie that's made me feel that way, you know, like mother has where I was just sitting there watching the screen, like, 
like, how is this still going? How is this still just going further and further off the rails? And it's a different kind of off the rails. It's a much, you know, quieter, like you said, you know, it's, right. it's a much, much softer version of that. But still, uh, definitely end up uh, in a little bit of awe of, of, of what the filmmaker is putting together. Yeah, for sure. So I will go to another puzzle piece. I'm going to skip away from movies for a second here uh, and and go with kind of an out-of-left-field puzzle piece here. I'm going to go with the M.C. Escher paintings because this movie, you know, it's just just one big intricate puzzle of of things where you kind of can't trust what you're looking at because of the fact that you're being placed into the 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 mindset of this character who's going through dementia and uh just this visual experience that really is built to mirror uh just how confusing and scary that would be for a person going through that and when you look at you know some of these you know mc escher type you know artwork pieces uh it's just it's such a a unknowable puzzle uh, of just like it, it never quite all adds up in any any for sure way you're always looking at it at different angles and I mean that is a piece of art right there. I I love that kind of thing, and I think that that uh, could apply to some of these other pieces we've already been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know, a Memento is certainly a puzzle box of a movie. Yes, uh, I, I think it's designed to be sort of unsolvable in that way, and I think similarly yeah. to all of the the puzzle pieces thus far, the father there there are questions that it raises that it doesn't just outright answer like they don't really expl- i mean you can impl- you can read into the fact that uh i guess it's his son-in-law was uh i think slaps him across the face a few times in mm-hmm. one scene and one really particularly harrowing scene you can read into that that he's getting abused in the in the assisted living facility yeah but it it doesn't really like it, it's not interested in solving every little uh conundrum it's it's kind of up to the audience to read into it as you will or just sort of accept a certain amount of confusion as antony is having to do uh you know in this current state sure yeah absolutely i mean but the kind of unreliable narrator you know not not that he's trying to be it just is right. what he is um you know it definitely makes it where you're you're not going to get all the answers whether they even try to give them or not which is a really interesting, unique thing. I mean, usually it would be like a uh, a specific choice, but in this case, it's it's just it is what it is, and that that's all there is to it. Um, but all right, uh, what do you got for your next piece? So this one is is obvious, you know, obviously uh, not not a similar movie in in uh, in any particular regard, other than its star. But I think from a contrasting standpoint. I, I think The Silence of the Lambs is an interesting movie to match up with this. Obviously, okay. Anthony Hopkins is the commonality. They're, they're both also sort of psychological thrillers. They're both fronted by Anthony Hopkins and a, a female co-star and focusing on that relationship. And mm. they work as sort of bookends in Silence of the Lambs it really harnesses the, you know, uh, the iconic power that, that Anthony Hopkins brings to the screen what it feels like when he's owning a scene, when he's dominating every character in the frame. Uh, and the father is sort of the flip side of it, where it's, it's probably his most vulnerable performance in ages. 
And mm -hmm. it's, it's a man who's crumbling. It's a man who has no control of anything in his life, who doesn't even know, you know, which, whose home he's in half the time, uh, yeah. whose, whose daughter keeps changing the, you know, this, the people keep changing their faces that he's interacting with. And, uh, you know, we get, we still get flickers of that charisma coming through, you know, when he's trying to impress the, uh, Imogen Poots character and, uh, and sort of throughout, but it, it's, it's feels like the other side of the coin of what Anthony Hopkins can do on screen uh, when compared to Sons and Limbs. Yeah, that's really interesting. Putting that that particular actor, which I mean, one of one of our greatest actors, uh, you know, sure. putting him on, on two completely different sides of that coin is really interesting. And uh, I I wouldn't have thought of that as a puzzle piece, but I, I like the way that you uh, pull that in there and and looking at the two sides of it, and that's uh, really cool. And I mean. Yeah, I mean, what a great performance in both cases. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Absolutely. So I'll stick in the horror uh, realm, although I know recently there's been a big debate about whether or not Silence of the Lambs is horror, but um, I'll still stick in the horror realm with a movie that may be a little too new to truly be an inspiration, uh, but I, I felt it, it fit really well. And that's this movie called Relic that came out uh, originally in 2019 and then had a slow release, but... Um, it's it's this movie, and you know, obviously, we get into spoilers here on the show, and it's impossible to talk about it without like getting into the big spoiler that the house that this horror movie is taking place in is kind of a parallel to the crumbling mind of of its main character. And mm. you know, again, we we've been talking about in the father about how this filmmaker is, uh, you know, using these these little tricks to really kind of, you know disorient you and show you uh just how confusing it would be to be in that situation because little things that you think you know about this person's life and surrounding just are constantly changing and uh you know it's it's a less scary in the horror you know form of the word scary version of that but uh it's still very scary though to see it unfold into it especially for a movie that's so concerned with putting you in the shoes it really like helps sell that um and you know i'll just say one other thing uh this this movie is you know based on the play by by the writer director and i really am curious to see how some of these more cinematic flourishes are pulled off in the play version Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was um, watching a little bit of an interview with that where I, how he was trying to talk about the challenges of, uh, of extrapolating the play out for the screen. And he actually did mention specifically about changing the set uh, throughout mm -hmm. the filming, like every day, kind of just tweaking things and putting the actors, uh, just kind of keeping them on their toes as well by, by moving things around or switching out certain elements of and uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of the more impressive, I'd say, uh, play to screen adaptations that we've seen recently because it doesn't yeah. feel like it it was you know it's not Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins standing in a room having a conversation. It's not it's 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 more uh, creatively translated to to the big screen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and and it seems like something that would have initially been a film like it, it's yeah. almost surprising to hear that it was a, a play at one point but uh i would be very interested in seeing that at some point uh but what do you got for your next piece so we keep talking about psychological thrillers and and getting into the head of the main character who is an unreliable narrator so i really love this movie from 2004 called the machinist 
with Christian mm. Bale. And I feel like it's still vastly underrated. Uh, it's uh, for people who are listening who haven't seen it. It's the film where Christian Bale lost all that weight and basically like lost it was like 100 pounds or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. that, that's that picture that everyone's seen of him, just kind of skeletal. Nothing but tuna and apples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and then he had to bounce back the very next year. He was in Batman Begins and putting on all that muscle. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, in that film, he is a, a kind of a steel mill worker, I think, or factory worker. And he is suffering from insomnia. So throughout the, the movie, you know, it gets just increasingly kind of surreal and distorted, the events around him. And you realize in the end, spoilers for The Machinist, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. You realize in the end that there was this traumatic event that uh, he ha actually has been sleeping throughout the course of the movie, just kind of not realizing it. And he was, he's been casting the people in his life, in his daily life, in this sort of fantasy version that he's created. So in, mm. you find out at the very end that he, uh, he was responsible for uh, a hit and run that killed a little boy. So he, in his, in his mind, has this whole like friendship with the mom of the little boy that he saw when he drove past. And he's imagined this whole, you know, that she works at this coffee shop at this diner that he goes to. But then in the end of the movie, you realize that's, that he's been transposing people that he sees in real life into this sort of amalgamation that he's created in his own head. And so it felt sure. very similar to me to what's going on in The Father, where, you know, the, the nurse at the assisted living facility is kind of transposed with his daughter. The, the son-in-law is transposed with the, the orderly. And it's sort of, sort of just like this uh, you know, conflation of people and events and time and, and uh, you know, to, to kind of represent the pieces of a fractured mind. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, The Machinist, great movie. Haven't seen it mm -hmm. in so many years. Uh, and I, I know I said it earlier with uh, with Christopher Nolan himself, uh, but Christian Bale as well, I would love to see going back to more, uh, you know, smaller, interesting roles and in, in, in films like this. Uh, but yeah, yeah, great movie. And definitely the way that that character, uh, like you said, is is kind of pulling in these people from his life and putting them in different roles and not quite sure, you know, where, uh, where somebody really stands within his actual world is, you know, all part of the puzzle that, that this movie makes up. Um, I will go to another puzzle piece here and this one, this one could have gone, uh, pretty well along actually with your mother puzzle piece. Uh, and that's the work of Gaspar Noe. Uh, movies like Irreversible and right. Climax come to mind, uh, but his his films are taking the the idea of just being kind of an assault on your senses and just a total disorientation, uh, and and attacking it with more of a sledgehammer, whereas this is a much softer kind of a movie. Uh, but still, they his movies always have this goal of just inserting you into this uh, just absolutely crazy situation that just keeps getting crazier from scene one till the end and uh, throwing you totally out of your element and making it so difficult to ever catch your bearings at any given moment. And uh, a lot of these things we're talking about with with Anthony Hopkins' mindset and the way that this movie treats it and, and treats you, the audience, and the way it pulls you into that, uh, it just, it, it's such a difficult 
thing to get through, uh, but a rewarding thing to get to by the end because you are brought along for something that is so so different and unique, like a lot of Gaspar Noe's work and like this film. Yeah, that's the thing too. This was this was a tricky one to sort of come up with puzzle pieces for because it's like I, I you have to just kind of latch on to the mental health angle or or the the sort of family drama of it or or the disorientation like we've been kind of focusing on a lot. It's yeah, it's yeah. really that it, it the the it's not necessarily the story of this film that that makes it interesting. It's the uh, the execution of the sure. of the story and the way that it it sort of wraps you up that that by the end when Anthony Hopkins bursts into tears you're you're right there with him like you're feeling you're you get you feel the emotional fatigue in the same way that he does because you're yeah. getting a, in some small way a little bit of a taste of what that's like to never know what the hell is going on uh to turn around and it's been like you know months later or whatever uh, and not to even realize that in, uh, that a single moment has passed, and that's the thing about this movie that made it so so impactful and so terrifying is that you know we all know people, you know our family or friends' family or whatever who reach that that part that stage in life where they are mentally deteriorating, and it's yeah it, to see it come to life in this way and in such a Yes, cinematic and I guess technically entertaining, even though it's not a pleasurable experience watching <laughs> right, the father. Right. Um, definitely worthwhile and I highly recommend it. But just brace yourself for like after this was over, I had to detox and watch some like YouTube videos or something just to like clear my head uh, because I, I watched this like late at night by myself. And it's uh, it's a lot. You know, I, I'm lucky enough because of my day job I had to have a screener to see this mm -hmm. so uh that that made that experience uh, a lot more a lot more intimate in a way i feel like it's sort of the ideal way to watch this movie is just kind of 100 yeah. percent focus and just like no distractions and just in completely engaging with it as an individual oh yeah absolutely yeah when 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 i was done i did some sudoku puzzles to try to strengthen my brain so right know. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got for your next piece so this is obviously a, a much more literal, but it, I did think, uh, as far as the the uh, you know the the mental health angle, as far as the focus on a single character and sort of how how uh, a, a protagonist's mental health is affecting his or her family life, I thought of the movie Still Alice, which is mm -hmm. not not nearly as good a movie as The Father. I think that movie is mostly. Uh, acclaimed for Julianne Moore's performance, but similarly felt like, uh, you know, she's a she's an actress that had been nominated several times, had been, uh, you know, sort of I think assumed at a certain point, like, well, I don't know if uh, Julianne Moore she'll about to be one of those actors that probably never just doesn't get her Oscar, and then they just kind of came in the form of this of this movie that that it was I think well received by critics, but like I don't even I don't think it had. I don't think it was particularly nominated for much that year, just except for Julianne right. Moore's performance. And I think similarly, you know, that character is dealing with, uh, the character's dealing with like early onset of, I think, Alzheimer's. And, yeah. you know, she's she's in her, I believe, late 40s, early 50s uh, in that film, something like that. And similarly, Anthony Hopkins uh, is an actor who you know, won for Sense of Lambs decades ago, 
but that we've all just kind of assumed, oh yeah, Anthony Hopkins, you you said it, you know, David, you said it earlier, one of the best actors we have. But yeah. he hasn't really been, I mean, except for the two popes a couple of years ago, which I think kind of revived him in the awards circle. Uh, mm-hmm. He he hasn't really been that much in in the uh, in the awards conversation lately, and I think maybe part of that is the kind of work he's been doing, or part of that is just general complacence with oh well yeah he's always good we're not going to nominate him for being great sure uh, yeah. but I think this performance is sort of undeniable in in a similar way to what Julianne Moore does in Still Alice, and in, in kind of gives I think he's eighty three year old uh, Anthony Hopkins sort of a a another like kind of career revival at least like if if people if this isn't nominated and by the time this comes out i'm assuming the nominations will be out uh right if he isn't nominated for this i think it's 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 a real it's a real crime it's a real travesty the fact that he that he goes to this level and this emotional depth with this character uh i i think you know it's definitely one of his best projects in a long time and you get you get sort of that sense of him being kind of intimidating, almost kind of scary at points because he does get angry. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, at the same, you see him at his most vulnerable uh, later yeah. in the film as well. And that movie, Still Alice, ends on a scene with Julianne Moore and Kristen Stewart, uh, his, her daughter, and it's just kind of like, it, it focuses on how the family is going to cope with, um, with her condition at that point. And, Similarly, this whole movie hinges on uh, Anthony's relationship with his daughter, Anne. So it's just yeah. it, one of those things that definitely popped up in my mind a few times watching this. It's funny bringing up the uh, the awards consideration for this movie. Um, when I first became aware of this movie, it was, of course, because everyone was talking about, oh, Anthony right. Hopkins is definitely going to get nominated for this. And at first I was like, oh, but I really want Riz Ahmed to win for <laughs> Sound of Metal, you know? Right. And I'm like, I'm like, don't be good. Don't be good. Don't be good. And then I saw it. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, it's good. Now I, now I have to pick between these two. Um, <laughs> and, of course, Chadwick Boseman, too. So it's going to be yeah. a difficult Oscar season. So. For sure. But yeah, to, to the puzzle piece, still Alice absolutely uh, belongs in the conversation. And actually, my final puzzle piece was going to be to kind of throw together a few of these movies that also deal with either, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, still Alice, of course, is on that list, uh, as well as Away From Her. And then the one that I was specifically going to focus in on is The Savages from 2007, which to this day is, I think, the most depressing movie I've ever seen. But uh, this movie, The Father, while it's very sad, I wouldn't really call it depressing only because uh, Anthony Hopkins is just such a a joyful performer and he like Mm. really relishes this character and like playing this character. Uh, whereas the, like the depths of the savages and just seeing the, um, the effects of the father figures, uh, dementia and, and degradation on, on his family, which is Laura Linney and Philip Seymour Hoffman and just what it's doing to them. Uh, it just makes that movie just, uh, impossible to get through. Uh, whereas this is a movie between that performance and, some of the visual things that we've talked about and the creative things we've talked about here uh, make this such a more, like you said, it's it's hard to call it enjoyable, but it's kind of an enjoyable movie uh, because yeah. of all that. Yeah, it just, you, even though it's it doesn't take too long for viewers to probably get the gist of the, the unreliable narrator aspect of it, uh, it's mm. still, that that ending still does feel kind of like an emotional gut punch. Uh, even yeah. though it has, it does have a certain inevitability to it it's it's the the hopelessness and the 
the just utterly lost nature of that character that it's just uh it's it's a lot to sit with yeah it really is uh well do you have any more puzzle pieces um i just had a couple more that were kind of on this in the same vein of uh you know the mental health and family drama like uh, about schmidt came up in my mind as sort of okay. a, you know an older man whose family has sort of you know moved on or forgotten about him kind of cast aside and in, in large respects uh obviously informed by the ending of the father and then a beautiful mind again with the unreliable narrator aspect of it uh very different film but also you know incredibly acclaimed for its time and uh you know much more that's a much more hopeful film than this is mm-hmm. uh unfortunately but um but yeah, just just a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. Just th- those movies in that general vein of, you know, uh, like I said, pieces of a fractured mind trying trying to scramble to put them back together. Like I think, I I, I think even though we brought up so many, it's that the father feels like those movies, but it also feels kind of unique in the way that it uh, right. in the way that it kind of mashes all of that together and in, into a, a unique experience, which is, it's, it, that's what I'm saying. Like when I, when I was trying to come up with puzzle pieces, like I had a few good ones, but then I was like, but what, what else? Like, cause this is, it, right, it's, right. it's not an easily com- comparable movie. It's not, oh, well this was just a rip off of like, like, what is this other than the ones we've mentioned and probably a few others in the same vein. Like it doesn't feel like anything that I've seen certainly lately. And Certainly from Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. I, I feel like I feel like the horror thriller movies we've talked about during this conversation are, yeah. are a closer fit than than the actual mental health ones that we've talked about. Absolutely. And I think that's because a lot of these movies, the 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 mental health related ones, they are just very, very Hollywood y movies, you know? And mm-hmm. so they, they don't really dig into any kind of uh, original point of view or anything like that. It's just uh you know, here's this sad story. Here's the big swelling strings. You know, right. and and it's just that kind of a thing. Uh, and and uh, yeah, that's what makes this movie so interesting. I think. Yeah, it's it's very external. Most most mental health movies are yeah. either the family, like Still Alice, is kind of like this: the family dealing with the situation, or you know, the the person uh, who's struggling with with the mental health condition sort of having a big Oscar monologue. And I guess Hopkins has his, I, the closest to that would be at the very end, in the, at the very last scene, uh, just yeah. like kind of elaborating. Like, you don't understand. I feel lost. I'm slipping away. Like you, get, you would get like a very on the nose uh, kind of monologue about it. But this right. is one of the only ones that, that puts you in the, in the mindset of the character that's struggling, not yeah. the people that are also having to adjust to it and not that person's just like, you know, the external part of their life. But what is it like in their head? Like what's going on at the center of this? And I think that's something that most movies don't even attempt to uh, to touch. And, you know, rightfully so, because that's hard to pull off and make it work. Sure. So yeah. it's, it's part of what makes this movie so memorable and so easy to recommend, even though it is very heavy, uh, because it's it's truly an experience you're not really going to get anywhere else yeah. and certainly not you know in the, in the current uh current climate of cinema with franchises reboots and remakes and all that stuff which some of which i yeah. enjoy but it's also like there's not a lot of room for this sort of personal introspective storytelling out there sure yeah no absolutely right 
Well, I'll go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into any closing thoughts here. Uh, for the finished puzzle for the father, we talked about Memento, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Mother, M.C. Escher Paintings, Silence of the Lambs, Relic, The Machinist, Gaspar Noe's work, Still Alice, The Savages, About Schmidt, and A Beautiful Mind. Uh, so, you know, we were kind of getting into closing thoughts there in that that last moment, but right. are there any other uh, things that we kind of didn't hit on that you wanted to bring up? Not really. I mean, it's it's a very focused movie. So I feel like, you know, there's the two main performers and, you know, it's so focused on their relationship in the single location. Like from that perspective, mm. it makes sense that it was a play, but the emotions, the themes, the performances, everything else around it feels very cinematic. And I know yeah. obviously we're in a, you know, still dealing with the, the pandemic and theaters are either not open or open, but people are hesitant to check it out. I know that The Father is coming to, I think, premium on video on demand services at like the end of March. So I'm not sure when mm. this episode is dropping, but I would highly encourage people to check it out. Just, you know, have have a, a box of Kleenex or or something nearby <laughs> in case in case it hits you in the feels, because it definitely did me. And I think with award season, you know, in the midst, these two are definitely in the conversation, Hopkins and Coleman. Uh, and yeah. so we'll we'll see what happens with the father on Oscar night. But regardless, highly recommended for anyone who's interested in literally any of the puzzle pieces that we brought up. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have any other closing thoughts. I think I just would echo everything you just said there about this movie. It definitely it just provides a, a different kind of film that, you know, is we're seeing less and less nowadays, um, but such a powerful one and such a great one. Um, so, yeah, th I think that wraps it up. Uh, Robert, is there another movie you saw recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I have been watching a well this is kind of an i could drop a nostalgic pick if, if sure. i can, if i may uh it's very dated in a lot of ways but i have just because of a project that i'm working on for for crookedtable.com uh i've been watching a lot of jim carrey stuff uh i'm a big okay. jim carrey fan so we're going to be doing like a lot of jim carrey coverage in the next few months so i went back and found on tubi uh, a 1985 comedy with of his that I grew, saw a lot growing up, and I saw it last night for the first time in like 20 years. Called Once Bitten. And okay. I, if people are, are interested in seeing like 23 year old Jim Carrey, I think it was his first major movie. Uh, Lauren Hutton is in it as sort of a uh, a modern day vampire, and she's kind of uh, she's <laughs> because it's the 80s and everything is a big sex comedy. She's uh, she's is having having trouble finding virgins in 1985. So she she kind of hones in on Jim Carrey and decides to make him her next, uh, you know, the next person she turns to feed off of to stay young and all of that. And it is so deliciously 80s, right down to the soundtrack. There's a montage, and it's 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 just really funny, like uh, curio of early Jim Carrey's career. Uh, to watch it now in context. There's some jokes, I will warn people, obviously, there are some jokes that have aged terribly as as have most, <laughs> most comedies from even like a couple years ago. Uh, so there's some things in there that I was like, oh no, don't do that movie. That's, I, I cannot sanction this. Uh, it felt like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. I cannot sanction this buffoonery. Uh, but I, I, would, I would highly recommend people check that out if they're interested. It's only, I think it's only on Tubi which is free app uh, that you can get on. I, I used my uh, Fire Stick, 
But um, but yeah, definitely interesting to watch in light of uh, everything that's gone on in the last, you know, 35 years. Uh, but once yeah. bitten on Tubi, check that out. I You know, I've never actually seen it. I might have to finally check that out. Uh, it sounds kind of insane. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm very curious whether or not of, of all the movie podcasts out there, if there's anyone that covered The Father and then went on to talk about Once Bitten in the same yeah, episode. I uh, doubt that, it. I'm here to make history. I, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Uh, well, Robert, this is great. Uh, why don't you tell people where they could find uh, your podcast and what you're up to? Yeah, so the podcast is on a sort of extended hiatus right now. I'm reworking a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, but you have 190-something episodes of the Crooked Table podcast, uh, which will be renamed and rebranded in the near future, so keep an eye out for that. But you can definitely find all of that, de- all those details at crookedtable.com. The podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other podcatchers. I'm also on Twitter, at Crooked Table. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back to the show, and I look forward to maybe getting you back on again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, David. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street, our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So, join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember, folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the father. Thank you to Robert Yannis Jr. for joining me on that one. Check out The Crooked Table. Uh, Great show. Lots of episodes over there to check out. And uh, if you enjoy what we're doing here on Piecing It Together, I told you at the top of the show, but I'm going to tell you again, make sure you're subscribed because we got a lot of episodes coming your way. A lot of back episodes you could check out if you haven't checked them out yet. I mean, this is episode 176. That is completely insane. How did we get there? I do not know, but we are there. Uh, what else do we got going on? Our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Of course, lately, Zack Snyder's Justice League has really dominated said conversation. But, uh, you know, now that that episode's up, and now that the movie actually happened, maybe we'll move on to some other movies, because there's a lot of other movies to talk about. Uh, you can also support the show by rating and reviewing us over on apple Podcasts or Podchaser. getting those reviews in it really helps you know get the show noticed when people are checking out all the different movie podcasts they could be listening to they see hey this piecing it together podcast has a ton of great ratings and reviews uh i should check that one out and so that i guess helps um or so I'm told. You can also share the show with your friends if you enjoy what we're doing here. That is always the best way to support what we're doing because uh, just sharing it gets it in front of so many new people. And another way to support the show is checking out our Produced by David Rosen Patreon where I 
post bonus content from Piecing It Together, as well as advanced content from Piecing It Together. Also bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, another movie podcast that I produce, and bonus content from my music career, which in the next week or two, I am planning on posting uh, a few new things uh, from my music career. So be on the lookout for that. And speaking of my music career, let's finish this thing up and post a piece of music. Did I say post? And I am going to play a piece of music from an album that I put out last year called Beater Original Motion Picture Soundtrack, which combined music from the feature film Beater that I scored, as well as music from some of the short films I scored for the same director, Chris Johnson. And... This one is actually from one of those short films. It's from one called The Service of Others, which is another very heavy, uh, sad, emotional kind of film, kind of like The Father. And so that's why I thought it would be a good fit here. This is a track from that score called The Request, and it is on the album Beater Original Motion Picture Soundtrack, which is available on iTunes, on Spotify, and all the digital music services. So enjoy this track. It's a bit heavy, but uh, I think it's a beautiful piece of music. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.